Coming up on this episode. We must not compromise, okay, in what we want in a relationship. There's a difference between being picky and not compromising. So what am I supposed to say? Yes, I am so lucky. He doesn't cheat on me. Yay! <laughs> and I communicate to you how I feel about you. Okay, I'm not, I don't have emotional constipation. <laughs> That's the best way to move. <laughs> we need to be able to, to say something and talk. But ultimately, we need to work more on our listening skills. Welcome to the MedKids Separate Podcast, a podcast about health and living a more mindful life. Today, I'm very pleased and very honored to have for a third time with us, Dr. Andreas Anastasiou. Thank you very much for coming. Great to be here. I'm going to say a few words uh, about Dr. Andreas. He has a PhD in counseling psychology from the University of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, USA. He has worked as a psychologist in several settings in the US, including Veterans Affairs Hospital, counseling centers, and state agencies. As associate professor at the Mary Baldwin University in Virginia, USA, he served as a chair of the psychology department for four years. He repatriated to Cyprus six years ago and since then has been associate professor of psychology at the University of Nicosia, where he has also served as chair of the social sciences department. He has served as board member of the Cyprus Psychological Association. In addition, Andres maintains a private pri practice in counseling psychology and his research focuses mainly on gender differences in the communication of empathy, conflict resolution, and multicultural issues. Today, we're going to talk about relationships, mm -hmm. parenting, mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I think uh, we'll see where it takes us. All right. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's begin with the first question. How do we prepare ourselves uh, to, be, uh, to be a good partner? Good partner. Um, that's a, that's a, a very, very good question. And uh, I think the, the idea behind choosing our, our partner is first of all, I would say to explore what do I want from a relationship uh, before making a commitment to this is the person I want to I want to be with. Um, so to to be a good partner, first of all, we need to uh, I would say uh, define what it means for me to be a good partner. Uh, acknowledge uh, the fact that I have things that I need to work on to be a good partner. Because I think a mistake that a lot of people make in relationships, they think that only the other person has work to do for the relationship to improve, okay? Which is actually quite narcissistic. Why is it that it's always the other person that has to do work, okay? Ultimately, the question is, what work do I need to do to, um, um, to have a good relationship, okay, in relation to my other, uh, to my partner? Uh, the other thing that I think is, terribly important, and we see this uh, in relationships that are actually happy and span over a long period of time, uh, is that we must not compromise, okay, in what we want in a relationship. There's a difference between being picky and not compromising, okay? Uh, and when I say not compromise, I'm talking about not compromising on major things, okay? So... Uh, everybody has to think after exploration. It has to be the result of exploration. What are things that I absolutely need to have in this relationship? And what are things that I absolutely do not want in this relationship? And those are the things that are core to you. So, uh, so uh, if you compromise on those, you will end up being lonely, depressed, uh, 
and trapped in the relationship. So, yeah, we need to delve into this exploration. What are things that I really want? What are things that I don't want? Okay. Uh, and this is, I, I dare say, something that is a, 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 very, a, a very individual journey. What we must not do is allow other people, and it could be well-meaning people, okay? It could be our parents, it could be our friends, it could be the culture, people who mean well, um, to make us have self-doubt about what we want in a relationship. And I, in, in my practice, I, I, over the years, uh, I find that I have found that uh, women are much more likely to have self-doubt. Okay, and I think this is a result of sexism that exists in, uh, in society. What do you mean by that? Oh, it's like, um, but you know what? Why, why do you not like this person? I mean, you know, he's a, he's a good person. And uh, oh, another thing that you hear a lot in this part of the world is, he doesn't cheat on you. You know, he's loyal. He's, he's uh, kind. He doesn't gamble. He doesn't drink. So, uh, yeah, he's a good person. So why? So what am I supposed to say? Yes, I am so lucky. He doesn't cheat on me. Yay! <laughs> so in, in, in that sense, um, uh, I find that a lot of women become very low maintenance. Okay. It's like, uh, what if I want someone who, yeah, is not just a good person, of course, on a very minimal level, but someone I communicate well with. Someone who's a good listener, someone who's empathic to me, someone who uh, who admires me, and someone I admire. Okay, someone who is uh, as ambitious as I am, someone who is not going to be threatened by me um, uh, doing better or making more money than him. Okay, and before going to a relationship, we have to define these. Um, we have to explore and define them for ourselves. Yes, absolutely. We need to, we need to, uh, it, it's a good thing to, to learn by getting into relationships. Sometimes they don't work, but that is okay. Okay. You know, I'm, uh, I might, I might, uh, sound very, very, uh, graphic right now, but I will tell you exactly what's, what comes to, uh, to my mind. Uh, one of my dear professors in the United States, uh, he passed away actually a, few, a couple of years ago. He would, uh, in one of his classes, uh, I remember he said, he was the kind of guy who would open his mouth, say some profound things, and it's like, okay, this is, this is stored here forever. So one day he said to us, you know, guys, all the shit from relationships that don't work become the fertilizer for the one that does. Okay, it's the idea that I'm, I'm learning from past relationships um, and, and how important it is to always make new mistakes. Okay. Um, so yeah, part of exploration is I, I get into relationships and if that doesn't work great, it's not necessarily bad. I'm learning something. I'm learning something from that. I know that I don't want this thing in a relationship. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I know I want that in a relationship and that is so important to me that I'm not compromising. Because I didn't have it in that relationship. So I want to have it in my next one. Mm -hmm. uh, that's wonderful advice. And Oh, sorry. I need to also give you another Go. parenthesis. Um, we're going to compromise on minor things. We're not going to compromise on core things. And we might compromise on, okay, what, uh, what do you want to eat? You know, I want beans and you want uh, omelette. Great. Okay. All right. Let's make an omelette. 
or where shall we go uh, on, on vacation? Okay, you want to go to the beach? I want to go to the mountains. Okay, all right, I'll compromise. Okay, uh, as long as both people compromise on these peripheral things. Okay. What are some major things that's that you find that we shouldn't compromise on? Uh, <laughs> um, I, I would say uh, kindness. We want people who are who are kind to uh, not just us but also to other people. Uh, everybody has his own list of things. Okay. Uh, I think the number one thing that would make a relationship work is uh, empathy. Okay, mm -hmm. the idea that I'm talking to someone and I feel that this person really gets me and understands me. Whenever, whenever we have that kind of interaction, we relax. We don't fight to make ourselves uh, heard. Um, yeah, it's not something we should, uh, I think we should compromise on. Yeah. Uh, because without empathy, we might be lonely in the relationship. So that's something that I think people need to, uh, need to uh, work on. And again, the question is, what kind of work do I need to do to be more empathic? Mm -hmm. Okay. I've got a misconception here. Um, if you have to do, uh, if you have to do uh, hard work, your relationship sucks. Do you agree? Oh, not necessarily. No, relationships can can in, uh, can be hard work. Okay, as long as I would say both people are willing to do their hard work for the relationship to work, okay? Um, the, the other thing that we have to be careful of is not to uh, assume that if I do all the hard work that I need to do, the relationship will work. Not necessarily. You know, sometimes I might, I might do, you know, very, very hard work because I really want this relationship, this relationship to work, but I might be beating on a dead horse. Okay, and, and sometimes exiting a relationship is not necessarily a sign of failure. It could be a sign of success. You know, this is not working out for me. I'm miserable. I am unhappy. And by exiting a bad relationship, I'm giving myself the chance to, be, to have a meaningful relationship with someone else. Would it be wise if we give some signs or pointers that would indicate for a relationship is not working? Well, we need to we need to um, uh, feel free to express how we feel to the other person. Of course, we need to whenever with uh, I'm very big on telling the other person what effect he or she has on you. Mm -hmm. Okay, many times the other person is not, you know, doesn't have you know uh, natural qualities of understanding what's in our brain. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so it's, so it's okay to to tell someone how we need needs that we have in the relationship. We have to do that. That's part of investing in the relationship. If we do that, maybe work might not be that hard. Um, the, the other uh, key is for the other person to be receptive to what we say. Okay, but that's where good communication yeah. uh, comes in. What about, let's move to battered woman syndrome. What is this and... Uh... How much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> but a battered woman syndrome, we have, uh, it's by the way, very, 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 very common. Uh, to various degrees. Um, and with the battered woman syndrome, we have a, a scenario where we have an abuser and a victim. The abuser is a man, the victim is a woman. Okay. Although, Can well, I also need to say that it's possible to have men that are victims. Um, 
many, but many times a man will not go and report that I am an abused man because there is much, much more stigma associated with that. Okay, but that can happen as well. Uh, but going back to the battered woman syndrome, we have a scenario where we have an abuser and a victim. The abuser is the man, the victim is a woman. And it's possible that might start with a honeymoon period. And initially everything is going well, things are great. Um, and, uh, or it might start with red flags all over the place. But at some point, um, uh, it's going to start by him be becoming a bit more possessive. He's going to isolate her from her family, from her friends, essentially from anyone who uh, is part of her support system uh, and anyone from whom she derives joy. Because I want to be the exclusive source of joy for you. And even if your team wins, okay, I'm actually upset <laughs> because I see that you're excited <laughs> with something uh, other than me. Okay. okay. Uh, so he's going to isolate her from her friends, from her family. Uh, the other thing that he does, he becomes extremely critical. You know, this is not good. The other thing is not good. You're never good enough. Um, um, your, your looks are not good. And essentially what I'm communicating, what I'm communicating to, to the woman is that, you know, you're not going to do any better than me. I'm doing you a favor that I'm with you. You think you're going to find anyone better than me? And... She, um, uh, so he becomes extremely critical and, and what eventually happens, she loses her identity in the relationship and the goal of her life becomes how not to anger him. Not, now, not how to make him happy, but uh, she knows what to do and not to, to avoid his wrath, to, to avoid his anger. Okay. Uh, so she knows much more about how he's feeling as opposed to how she's feeling. We can have uh, physical abuse. We can have emotional abuse, sexual abuse. Uh, people around her will come and tell her, can't you see what he's doing to you? Typically the response is, oh, you don't know him. And you know what? He was also abused as a child. Okay, so essentially what she does, she justifies violence against her. At some point, she... Uh, she she can't take it anymore and she will exit the relationship. As soon as she leaves, oh, by the way, the bond between them is very, very strong. Do not underestimate that bond. Okay. Uh, um, um, that is why when uh, people come and tell her, why, why don't you leave? You know, if I were you, I would have left, I left just like that. I would never have um, uh, withstood that. I would never have tolerated anything like that. They don't know what they're talking about. Okay, the bond is very, very strong. Okay, um, and the way that he operates, there are also these, these occasional random acts of kindness. Sometimes they will have a great time to, he will be Mr. Perfect with her. Okay, occasionally that's going to happen and she latches on to those moments. But at some point she will exit their relationship and uh, because she can't take it anymore and then he's going to come and tell, and tell her, I was such a jerk. Come back and I will change. I promise. You know, and because she really misses him, she will go back and the second cycle of violence is going to start. Uh, and this can happen many, 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 many times. Okay. As soon as the second cycle of violence starts, 
That's uh, our assessment is batter woman's syndrome. Okay. That's a diagnostic criteria. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, and this can, you know, a lot of these women go in and out of that relationship. At some point, when she decides that, okay, this is it, I'm exiting, I'm not going back. When he realizes that she's not coming back, she's actually in danger. Because this is when you hear that, you know, this man went with a gun and shot his ex. Um, usually that's the, you know, the, the worst thing that can happen, but it happens. Okay, he's going to go stalk her. That's when she gets a restraining order from the police. Uh, because these men tend to be extremely possessive. And the idea that she's happy without me or that she's going to, God forbid, she finds someone else, I cannot handle. So I want to go and, uh, you know, and uh, be very aggressive uh, with her sometimes. Yeah, we hear those things on TV all the time. If okay. you're if you're in this uh, in this scenario that you you just described, and you're you're the woman, mm -hmm. what do you do? And you realize what you just said. Uh, I, ideally, it's very important to go and explore options because another thing that he's going to to um, infuse into her brain is that you can you cannot make it without me. And also, if you want to. Uh, evolve uh, could be one might want to evolve academically you might want to you know what well, I want to open a shop I want to become more independent okay you're going to do that at your age you want to go back to university and uh, oh god this is listen I don't think you can make it you know as opposed to oh great I think it's a good thing for you yeah go and I'm, I'm right next to you what, how, what do you need from me how can I help you I'm very happy that you want to go and evolve. I'm very happy that you want to go to, to the university, to university. Okay. I'm very excited. Okay. And I admire you as opposed to, oh, come on, you. <laughs> what a joke. Okay. Where do you think this behavior um, from the, not from the victim, but from the uh, perpetrator. From the perpetrator. What do you think that comes from? Does that come from uh, a young age, childhood? Uh, usually, uh, I would say the profile is someone who is uh, authoritarian, uh, spoiled at the same time, uh, narcissistic, and someone who has a lot of anger inside him. Okay. Uh, and this is the kind of person who, ah, the other thing is that this person cannot tolerate any kind of criticism, mm. okay? Or any, any, or, uh, any opinion that uh, his wife or his uh, partner, his woman might have, okay? You will agree with me always. And don't you dare disagree with me in front of other people. You know, I will obliterate you, Okay. The only perspective that you need to have is mine. Okay. When we go out, I want you to be a pot, like a pot that has a plant in it. That's how, uh, that's how I want you to be. Oh, and by the way, this is an actual example. I'm not making this up. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. I'm sure you see a lot of, uh, extreme, uh, uh, unfortunately, I would, it might, yeah, it is extreme, but it's not all that abnormal. Mm. 
Uh, I, I dare say that you interact with women who are in that kind of relationship uh, over time, but you might not know. Sometimes they come out later. It's shocking. Oh, another, another parenthesis that I need to make is that many times these women might go and express how they feel, okay, with parents, okay, and it's not uncommon, it is not uncommon for, for parents uh, to uh, prevent the woman from exiting their relationship, okay, especially in this culture. You know, why you, why you want to leave? Why? You know, it's for, for their own reason, because they're afraid, they, they feel uncomfortable with the fact that their daughter is going to leave her marriage or what, or what is she going to do and what will people say? That's another very, very big issue. Okay, so, and, and they might themselves go and, and infuse even more self-doubt uh, in her. On a general, on a general note, um, is it good to talk about a relationship with other people, with friends, family? Yes, it's not, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Okay, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, I would, it's, we always need a good listener in our life. Who is the person that I can freely talk to without being judged? Who is the person in my life that I feel that this person really gets me and understands me? Okay. Um, and it's okay to have someone outside the relationship. To be that listener. Of course. It doesn't no. have to be always be your partner. No. If, ideally, of course we want to have, to have that kind of relationship <laughs> with our partner. Okay. Yeah. But it's okay to have that kind of a close relationship also with our, with our good friend. Yeah. Okay. To tell him about or her um, uh, challenges that we might have in our in our relationship, or it could be uh, something else, uh, something else too. Um, we don't want our partner to be the sole source of support that we have, because that could be very tiring for the partner. Okay. That's why it's good to have. Of course, there are no formulas. Yeah. Okay. But it's good to have other people in our life. Okay. Uh, and we surround ourselves with people that are good listeners. Yes. That's what I'm getting from this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, um, uh, one thing that I see all the time is people in relationships or when they meet others always say, okay, what am I supposed to say? I, need, I don't know what to say. I need, how, can, how can I make myself more interesting? Or many times I'm lost for words. I don't know what to say. The world needs better listeners. Okay, not necessarily better. Of course, we need to be able to, to say some things and talk. But ultimately, we need to work more on our listening skills. This is the thing that's going to make someone, I think, more attractive. Uh, and this is the thing that's going to make people bond much more. And I agree. I agree. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, let's shift the focus now to parenting. So um, I'm going to say some stats here. Sure. Uh, these are from Statista.com. The percentage of marriages ending in divorce from 2019 to 2022 in Europe are about uh, 43%. And mm -hmm. then with Luxembourg, number one place with 89%. Uh, divorce rate, 89%. Yes, oh, in Luxembourg. Okay. Wow, didn't know <laughs> yeah. that. And uh, then in the US, again, 45%, similar mm -hmm. to Europe. Mm -hmm. In Cyprus, we had a 20% uh, divorce rate, which has quadrupled uh, in the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. um, I do want your opinion on this. That's not a bad thing. That's, yeah, I wanted to. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing is pe- uh, children with divorced parents. So this is where I want to segue mm-hmm. into parenting are twice as likely to attempt suicide. Mm-hmm. Teenagers whose parents divorce are three are three times more likely to experience mental health issues. Okay. So um, how do you interpret uh, these statistics? Oh God, there's so many things that we can, that we, can uh, <laughs> we can say. We could do well, first, of, first of all, I would say a very low divorce rate can be as problematic as and as unhealthy as a very high divorce rate. Um, uh, well, when I was growing up in Cyprus, the idea of, uh, of getting a divorce was unheard of. You know, and I really thought that, uh, I remember as a kid and even when I was an adolescent, I even idealized Cyprus a little bit. Oh, we don't have any divorces. Okay, everything is great. Um, but you know, but then the older I got and the more I, uh, you know, the more I was able to reflect on this culture, I realized that, you know what, that's pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Um, the question is, why is it that people don't get out of a relationship, don't divorce when they're being suppressed when their relationship is terrible, okay? Uh, and, and it's really very sad for people to go through a whole life in a bad relationship simply because, well, we just don't get divorced in this culture. We don't do this. What will people say? I have a sense of shame. I'm afraid of what my mother is going to say, what my father is going to say, how the village is going to see me, okay? And I don't want to be known at what happened and what's going to happen to the kids, okay? Now... Uh, I, I, uh, I dare say that, yeah, we might think that children of uh, divorced parents might have m- more and more issues, uh, but I think it's a very simplistic way to look at it, okay? Uh, wh- what did those kids experience before the divorce? That's another thing we need to put in the equation. The other, the other uh, variable that I need to include is what do the children experience after the divorce, okay. What uh, and um, what? What I think is a much more critical thing to see and control for is the presence or absence of conflict. Okay, so I dare say that it might actually be better for children, in, uh, um, in terms of their adjustment, for the two parents not to be together, but to grow up in a peaceful and loving environment. Okay, as opposed to the, the, the parents staying together, there is conflict all the time. Okay, I think that's going to have a much more uh, negative impact on the children. So I think maybe a better way to look at it is the presence or absence of conflict. Okay, regardless of whether the parents are together or not. Okay, I think if we add that variable in the equation, uh, the picture is going to be... Um, much more clear. Uh, the danger with those statistics for someone who's considering divorcing might see those statistics and say, oh my God, I'm, I'm not going to do that to my kids. No, I cannot divorce. I need to stay in this relationship because I'm, my kids are going to be screwed up and they, uh, I'm going to harm them. I'm going to, well, not necessarily. It's not, it's not necessarily that, uh, that clear. It's not that black and white. It's not that black and white, no. Yeah. Not that black and white. I heard that um, criticism mm-hmm. really harms relationships. Like criticism, cr- criticism is the opposite of empathy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it happens uh, very often, like criticizing mm-hmm. each other. And that kind of leads to a lot of conflict. What's your... Well, it's not fun. <laughs> and, and criticism <laughs> is one of the leading causes why 
people get divorced. Okay, criticism is the exact opposite of empathy. Now, do we all criticize? Absolutely. Of course, we all have a critical side that might yeah. come out on, on our part. And the question is not, do I criticize or not? Do we criticize or not? The question is more like, what is the context within which I might criticize? And if the context is one where the overwhelming majority of times, we actually have a good time, we praise each other, we have fun together, we appreciate each other, we enjoy talking to each other, then occasionally, if I criticize, it's going to be annoying, but it's not going to be damaging. Mm. But if I criticize all the time, if that is my modus operandi, okay, that's extremely toxic for, uh, for the relationship. Okay, and that does not work. So, um, uh, uh, again, criticism is the opposite of empathy. Empathy is what keeps a relationship together. Okay. So let's say you find yourself in a relationship where you're, you're the one who's, let's say, accepting the criticism or uh, mm -hmm. the one who's uh, trying to do more, mm -hmm. trying to save the relationship. Mm -hmm. um, or this could even be something minor, something that you want to express to the other person that you dislike, mm -hmm. etc., that annoys you. How do you do that in an, in an empathetic and compassionate way? How do I convey uh, feedback? How do we give feedback? Um, well, you, you do it with when you feel that many times that the right is on your side, you, you need to find a way to protect the person you're with from the criticism that you're going to give. You know, as, as Gandhi said, you need to be the change that you want to see. You need to do it in a non-critical way. Okay. You will, you might use an I statement, for example. Okay. Um, uh, I feel, um, I feel upset when, uh, when this thing happens. Okay. The other thing is to find that window of opportunity when the other person is going to be more receptive to what you're going to say. Because once there's conflict, once we get into that conflictual time, okay. In other words, if we have an argument, that's the worst thing to do anything. Okay. Uh, the best thing to, The, the best work, not only in relationships, but in general, as, as people, uh, the best work we do when things are going well, okay? We don't wait, you know, for uh, things to get out of control because when the, the, this is when typically many people will go to a psychologist, okay? And that's when we do damage control, you know, we try to, you know, uh, you know, fix things a little bit. And when the relationship becomes, reaches a point at which is better okay that's when you do the best work okay mm. because you're much more receptive as opposed to you know conflict all the time i remember in one of our previous podcasts where you said the work uh is going to be done when we're good when yes. we're emotionally stable that's yeah. where all the work most of the work is going to be done sure absolutely when do we know that we need uh help we in a relationship when do we know that we need a, a psychologist uh etc Uh, first of all, let me start by saying that my, my philosophy is that people who go to a psychologist are typically the healthiest <laughs> uh, in, in the sense that in the sense that there are people who are not afraid to look at themselves and say, you know what, I need to do this work. I need to work on this. Mm -hmm. I'm not in denial anymore. Okay. Um, I, I think that when you're realizing that I'm not enjoying things in my life, I don't enjoy my team scores a goal and I'm not, ah! it's like, oh, okay, good, yay. 
Okay, <laughs> when we 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 um, don't enjoy things anymore, I mean, we need to pay attention to that. Or when I'm um, when I'm sad all the time, when I feel like I'm not motivated to do ABC. Okay, uh, when we are constantly anxious about things in our life. Okay, and yeah, when when we feel like we we are losing ourselves, when we um, we feel like essentially I'm not feeling happy. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, that's when we need to go to a psychologist. And there's no shame in doing that. No, absolutely <laughs> not. Um, uh, no, there's no shame in going to a psychologist. It's like uh, you said. You, it, it's understanding that, okay, I need help. And that's yeah. even, yeah. Yeah, it's okay. There's no shame in going and seeing a doctor. There's no shame exactly. in, uh, yeah. And I think narcissism plays a lot here as well. Ah, like, why should I go? I'm fine. Like, um, you, Usually uh, someone who is narcissistic, um, especially in relationships, uh, might come for a uh, couple therapy. Um Non, uh, one thing that I hear all the time, which is, uh, I think, very typical is, uh, you know, many times the, um, the woman might start saying that, you know, we need to work on this. We need to do that. I need to work on this. And he might say, well, I'm here to help her. I've heard that actually many times in all sorts of ways. Yeah. Um, and then immediately you, you begin to realize, okay, this is an issue. Yeah. Why do you not have any work to do? Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's move to parenting. What are some um, some of the most common issues um, parents have to deal nowadays mm-hmm. uh, with their children? And yeah, uh, I, I think parenting today is is very 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 difficult um, in in on on many levels. I think that stress has a has a significant impact on the parents. Uh, the other thing that I think is really terrible nowadays is actually screens, what kids watch online. Um, parents are not ready. They are not... Uh, they, they don't know how to handle that. Okay. Uh, parents need to, first of all, de-stress. They need to see, okay, what's stressing me in my life? What can I change? so that I'm going to be much more present with my kids. The other thing that parents need to do is take care of their own self and take care of their relationship. And especially when we have children, we have a much greater responsibility to take care of ourselves individually and also take care of our relationship. Children will be raised, should be raised, not by the one parent or the other. Children should be raised by the parental relationship. So as parents, we have a kid, significant more stresses on the relationship. It is not uncommon for the, the parental relationship to, re, to deteriorate when children come, okay? Because, okay, we are ignoring each other, all our attention is on the child, and of course, it's also wonderful, uh, but I'm finding myself just be completely consumed with the, with the child, Okay. Uh, and also, what expectations do we have about who does what when the children come? And these are good things to talk about before having children. Okay, very, very important to, uh, to do that. Um, this, uh, this reminds me of uh, 
you know, somebody I knew many years ago who uh, um, he, he and his wife were going to have a kid. So I, I remember, uh, you know, sitting down, talking about him having a kid. Now it must be very exciting. And I remember uh, talking about, uh, you know, changing diapers. So the guy smiles and says, ah, I don't do shit. <laughs> and I, lo- and I, I looked at his wife who was pregnant, ready to have a yeah. kid. And she gave him a look and it was like, really? Oh, I, di- I didn't know. It's like, there was yeah. that kind of look. There was, she was very surprised. Mm. Um, now that relationship did not last. <laughs> okay. Um, so it's very important if you're going to have, children to be very mindful of what that is um, uh, um, have I would say the healthy anxiety of responsibility before <laughs> during the pregnancy and yeah. after um, take very good care of ourselves and it's very important for the parents to be on the same page okay when it comes to raising their kids now is it possible that sometimes, You know, one one parent might be, you know, the more the disciplinary and the other one might be more the of course. Okay. Um, but even even in those situations, it's very important for the two parents to communicate together and, and make adjustments in the way that they parent. Okay. Um, um, but ultimately I, I think very important for the parent to spend one-on-one time with each and every kid. Okay, that's why parenting is hard, uh, meaningful, um, joyous, and depleting work. <laughs> okay, yeah. um, uh, and also we ne- also need to look at how does my identity change when I become a parent? Okay, um, um, uh, how does my work identity change? If I'm a, uh, also, we have gender differences, okay? Um, women are more likely to have the responsibility for the raising of the children, okay? And women are more likely to be judged if they don't do ABC. Uh, women are more likely to have the second shift at home. So I, I'm at work, you know, I'm earning money. And when I go home, my second shift starts, okay? You're not going to... We, we, uh, typically we hear, you know, sexist comments that people make, both men and women. Okay. Uh, we, for example, we might say, oh, he's such a good guy. He helps at home. You know, yeah, he knows how to do laundry. He knows how to change diapers. Yeah. Wow. He does shit. He's a good guy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. um, but if we say, oh, you know what? He does his part. Then we conceptualize it differently, especially nowadays when yeah. men and women have to go out, out and work. Okay. You never hear, oh, you know what? She's such a good mom. She helps at home. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, she even knows how to do laundry. She's fantastic. Okay. Yeah. Uh, at, a, at, a, at an age when both parents typically have to work, uh, we need to um, use different terminology. Uh, and couples are affected by this type of terminology. Their relationship is affected, but they're not aware. Okay. Because uh, language reflects uh, how we think. Okay. And when you have 
both males and females, men and women, fathers and mothers, using the same kind of language, okay, it's very stressful, but people are not aware of that. Okay, the other thing that happens, especially for women that stay at home and work at home, okay, because that's hard work, um, a lot of women are, are looking forward to going back to work, okay, uh, the, uh, the business, what, what they were doing before having uh, children, to rest from, uh, from childhood, from, from uh, raising children, okay? It's a 24-hour job, that's why. Of course. Oh, you will have a lot of people tell you that, you know, I don't have time to go to the toilet. I don't have time to take a shower. Okay, these are very, very common things. Okay, and, and people should not be made to feel guilty for being uh, upset. Okay, for uh, sometimes being mad at their kids or being mad at, uh, you know, their life because they might feel that I'm stuck. What am I doing here? This is what not what I bargained for. Okay. Um, so it's much more complicated having children. Okay, so we need to work on our relationship before having children. Um, uh, and uh, again, that's another type of exploration that we're gonna, we need to delve into. Yeah. How, are going to, how are we going to raise our children? Okay, uh, and in the case of bicultural couples, that could, that could be even more challenging. Okay, how are we going to integrate the two cultures in the raising of our children? Uh, what kind of religion? If that is important to us, are we going to, you know, raise our children? Okay, but it's it's uh, again, it's very important to uh, be very empathic also to the other parents. Mm-hmm. What about mm-hmm. uh, I've heard this from multiple people that conflict in front of children is it's not a good thing. Um, be- uh, if well, we don't want to have nasty conflict. We don't want punches or uh, yeah. very that don't want. Uh, we don't want um, you know cursing, really bad give and take. That we don't want. That's very toxic. Okay, but it is okay for past. Oh, the other question is again: What is the context within which we're having some disagreement, some mm-hmm. minor conflict? And if it's one where we typically show to the children that we are really good with each other, we hug each other, we kiss each other, we display affection in front of the children, we kiss in front of them, and we really enjoy to be with each other, okay? Uh, then if we have some conflict, minor conflict, okay? Mm-hmm. It's okay. It's actually, it's not necessarily a bad thing. I dare say that it might even be a good thing because children would see a very healthy, realistic Relationship. Relationship. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that the parents need to demonstrate in front of the children if they fight is also how do we make up what skills how, what skills of reconciliation do we have that we can show to our kids, okay? For example, do I apologize? Do I, do I acknowledge things that I need to work on? Okay, and I might, even, I might even say to my kids, hey, guys, you know what? Sorry about this. You know, sometimes adults fight. Okay, most of the times we're okay. We're not going anywhere. We are actually good with each other. And uh, now, now we're okay. okay. Yeah. I think oh, it's, it's also good to apologize to our kids, by the way, if we okay. screw up. 
uh, I think kids understand much more than we believe. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you do when dealing with difficult kids? When I say difficult kids, they don't listen sometimes. You hear parents saying, ah, oh, I have a very difficult kid, whereas my other kids are not that difficult. Okay, when I say, when I <laughs> when my kids are not listening to me, do, do they not listen to me or do, or do they not obey me? Okay, that's interesting. There, because there is a, a difference, okay? Uh, the other question is, am I a good listener to them? The other issue is, yeah, sometimes our kids are not going to listen to us right now. We might tell them what, oh, and not necessarily because we want them to obey us, but because we want them to listen to us. Mm-hmm. Okay, we tell them something and if it's following there, they do exactly the same thing. And it's bad for them and we know. Yeah. Okay. The way that I think we parents need to think about it is that I'm saying something to my kids, but they're not going to get it now or tomorrow or the day after. Maybe they will. Great. But I need to think about it as an investment for the future. Okay. okay. This is interesting. Eventually, things are going to sink in. But I should not expect my kids to, uh, to uh, think that I'm uh, that, uh, to uh, talk to me well, as if they're 20 years old or 30 years old. Okay. They're kids. So we need to put that in, in context. Um, and, uh, um, but again, the other issue is, what is the quality of my relationship with my kids? How often do I spend time with them? And, and uh, when is it the most effective time for me to share something with my kids? Okay. Uh, and do I, do I know my kids? Do I really know them? Uh, am I, be, am I, do I, if my kids feel that I really get them, understand them. Okay. They're more likely to be receptive to what I say. Okay. Uh, it's also possible that they might not be, uh, they, they have other influences. Okay. That they might misunderstand me. They might, um, um, not listen to me. Okay. Um, that is okay too. But I need to find that window of opportunity when I'm going to be fully present with my kids and they will be more receptive to what I have to say to them. Okay. Yeah. Um, I usually like to go into the details of things. So when you say spend time, I, I really like the, what you said, spend time with each individual kid. Mm-hmm. I think uh, that would, it, it's, an, it's, an amazing, uh, it's an amazing motto to go by. Uh, how much time uh, would that be? I know this is this is not you know, be a Bible, but yeah, I, I per would, week. I, w- I would say I, w- I wouldn't I wouldn't come up with a number. You yeah. know, have five minutes, ten minutes, or uh, but um, it's the idea that I'm com- uh, I'm spending some time with my kid, and what I'm really communicating to my kid is that I am I'm uh, I'm here with you. I'm really enjoying spending time with you, and you, little guy, is m- make my life better. Mm. I'm so happy that you are in my life. You enrich my life. It's been great. Sometimes you're a pain in the ass. Yes. <laughs> and you piss me off. Okay. But ultimately, uh, you never wonder about how I feel about you as my kid. Yeah. You never wonder. You, you, uh, I always make you uh, and I communicate to you how I feel about you. Okay. I'm not, I don't have emotional constipation. <laughs> that's the best way to move. Yeah. Okay. How much time do we have? It's two oh five. Gotta go. Gotta go. <laughs> uh, but I can't be back. 
this is this was amazing, I think, and very helpful and very needed. Um, do you have as a as a statement at the end a message to give out to parents who are struggling or who are stressing? Uh, I, I would say take figure out what it means for you to be kind to yourself as a parent. Uh, spend time with each other. Assess what you need from that from your your relationship. Um, and on a very, very basic level, you know, exercise, sleep well, eat well, uh, have, uh, figure out who's the good listener in my life, uh, assess what things you need to work on to make your relationship better. Um, and also, um, embrace, uh, I would say the healthy anxiety of change if things need to change. Mm -hmm. I think that's a wonderful recap. Mm -hmm. And one thing, last, lastly, um, we talked before the podcast about how uh -huh. much exercise you do. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I was really shocked. But um, yeah, exercise every day. <laughs> oh, it's, it's fun. You know what? It's a very good addiction to have. Yeah. But you need to find the type of exercise that, that you enjoy. Yeah. Okay. And every, some people like to run, other people like to play football, other people like to swim. Uh, you need to find what you really enjoy um, and start from the level that you're at and gradually improve. Yeah. Okay. But ultimately, you need to have fun. I agree. <laughs> Thank you so much, Andrea. Thank, Thank you so much. Thank it was you. amazing. Yeah. Always fun. <laughs> <laughs>